Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with Jason Graves and Mike Janung. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Here are your hosts, Jason and Mike. Porn in the military? Oh my goodness. Well, yep, it's true. And so we're going to look at how that takes place, what it looks like, and the damage that's causing. This is Jason Graves with the Blazing Grace Show, along with my faithful and true co-host, Mike Janung. Hello, Michael. Hello, hello. How's it going? It's going great. How are them Lakers? They lost six in a row. I don't want to hear no <laughs> trash talking here, but they're coming back. It's that easy, folks. It's that easy. Okay. Well, we've got two special guests with us today, so it's exciting to have the voice of uh, Paul with us here, a former Army guy calling in from Texas, I believe. Well, that's where I live, Jason. I'm in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana today. Okay. All right. How are things over there? Oh, about the same. Well, listen, we're glad to have you on. We're going to hear your story in a second here. And we've got Josh Butrin with the Military Community Youth Ministries. Welcome, Josh. Thanks. It's great to be here. Here in the studio here. And you just moved here uh, to Colorado Springs from Germany, I believe, right? Yeah, that's right. My wife and I were living on an army base there, working with uh, high school students, middle school students, and families. Great. Did you go to Iraq at all? No. Oh, you didn't? No, stayed on the army base in Germany. It's a lot safer there. Yeah, (laughs) no kidding. Well, let's hear from Paul first. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience first, just in the military, you know, where you were uh, stationed or whatever you want us to know about that. And then we'll find out a little bit more about your experience with uh, porn or what you know goes on even today. Sure. Well, I uh, graduated college in 1988 and received a commission in the Army um, as an armor officer in tanks. Mm-hmm. Ended up in Fort Bragg, North Carolina for a number of years and uh, a few other places and Stayed in the army for six years okay. before leaving and find another employment. Okay, so Fort Bragg, so that's a big base, isn't it? It's huge, right? Yeah. And I know that um, from our past discussions, you saw porn even being sold on base. Oh, and, it was. And I've been out for eleven or twelve years now, but mm-hmm. back then, I mean, it was everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. in the, the the post gas stations, the convenience mm-hmm. stores, the commissary, mm-hmm. and the whole aura and mentality back then, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you'd mm-hmm. see soldiers standing there flipping through the pages, you know, nobody cares. Right. You know, it's just an attitude that was, hey, it's okay. Wow. Isn't it illegal, though, as far as being in the military? The pornography? Right. Um, at that time, no. I mean, it was sold everywhere. Okay. Um, All right. I thought I had a friend that told me that for officers, they could get kicked out if they uh, if they get caught using that. Wow. <laughs> Uh, maybe now. It's a new know. army, all right? Yeah, so. Maybe it's a new army. I don't know. Back then, that would have... No, that wasn't the case then. Mm. So let me come back to you in a second, Paul, to hear a little bit about maybe some of the devastation, but let's catch folks up with Josh. Now, Josh, you're a not... You're, you know, you're a civilian. That's right. And so you've worked around military. Yep. Uh, what Tell us a little bit more about you know what you did, where you served, and and uh, and what you saw. Well, my wife and I lived uh, in the near the military community... Uh, in Bamberg, Germany, mm-hmm. and worked on the Army base. And uh, it's true, uh, on the Army base, softcore pornography is available in all the convenience stores mm-hmm. and the PX, the post exchange, um, in both magazine format and in, uh, in, in video mm-hmm. DVDs and things of that nature. I worked primarily with high school students mm-hmm. whose parent was a dependent in the military. 
And I could say that they often, um, especially boys, would go off post to the German uh, mm. porn stores mm. and and get whatever they needed or wanted at right. that point. Right. So it, it's definitely a problem. It's a huge problem. Mm. And I, I think where I saw it um, most poignantly in the lives of soldiers is uh, last year was asked to be a part of a unit ministry team doing reintegration training mm. or helping soldiers who had just come back from a year-long deployment mm-hmm. in Iraq and talking to these soldiers who, during their stress and during the combat experience, would go back to their their hooch or their little Mm -hmm, room, mm -hmm. and they had full access to the Internet, full Mm. access to purchasing whatever they wanted to order through the mail, and abused pornography greatly. Mm. Wow. Okay. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about the effects that you've seen in people's lives uh, the devastation, the the harm that it's caused, and you know maybe you want to even share from your own story a little bit. Sure, I and mean, it's um, I can speak firsthand at this because in my own life, um, a lot of times what you see in the military and myself included, you get a lot of men, young men coming in mm-hmm. who have never left their hometown. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe even never left their family's house. They've been you know supervised all their lives. Now they get in the military, whichever branch it might be, and there's no accountability mm-hmm. for anything outside of their work performance. Right. And like Josh was saying, it's all right there. Mm-hmm. And the pornography, to me, extends far beyond what you might see on the pages or in a movie. It, it's, it's a lifestyle. In, right. the, in the crowd I was running with, that was it. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got everybody with, you know, you've got all these type A personalities coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, you're training that you're the killer, you're the best, you're, you know, you've got to psych people up to be in the military. Right. You know, work hard, play hard, all these types of mentalities. Mm-hmm. Um, combine that with no accountability and a culture that stresses, you know, the work hard, play hard. Hey, mm-hmm. we just did this, that, or the other, now it's time to go hit the bars or hit this or hit whatever. It's like there's this entitlement. It, it, exactly. Mm-hmm. That, that is That is the word right there that, mm-hmm. you know, you are somebody now, you've got a uniform, you've got a position, you know, myself, I had rank over Mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just this whole, you know, look at me, I'm special sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Who the heck is anybody to tell me what to do or not to do when it comes to my personal life and especially something so personal as sexuality? Right. And, you know, uh, that whole drive that you're describing uh, I read a book called, uh, you know, uh, it was by Gordon McDonald. I forget the title, but it's talking about oh, ordering your private mm-hmm. world, right? Mm-hmm. And he really distinguishes between being driven and being called. And when you're operating in your your areas of being called or, or your areas of calling versus drive, which tends to be more external stuff, mm-hmm. then there, there's just a greater sense of peace and stability in life. When you get into those areas of being driven, that never satisfies. So, of course, right. why wouldn't we want to go and try and drink of things that that only partially satisfy or temporarily satisfy things like pornography? Right. In my own experience, porn always isolated me. Mm-hmm. How does doing that affect the Army unit working together as a team? Oh, yeah. You know, one of the... The sad things, and probably the only place this might be, is in the military. Porn and all that is not isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, hey, look what I got. I'll trade you this movie for that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, did you see this? Uh, you know, it's just, you know, I had one of my contemporaries tell his soldiers, I expect you every night to go watch this and masturbate. Oh, you my know? goodness. So now combine that with the people Josh is working with, the 17, you know, 18, 19-year-olds who are your privates. Yeah. 
And here's an officer is over them joking about this and telling them, this is what I expect you to do. You right. Know, it must be all right. Yeah. It's just a whole culture, you yeah. know, from the second you drive into a military town. I mean, I know Colorado Springs, you've got a huge base out that way. Right. When you get into that area, it's all the, you know, movie theaters, massage parlors, just all the junk that goes along with this, the bars. Right. Um, so it's a culture. Right. Um, well, porn leads to lust, which leads to the hunger for more. So are you guys seeing a lot of, because they're women in the military, right, down in the down on the ranks? Are uh, you, yeah, the military is populated with women. Um, I don't think it's quite one-to-one, but there are more and more women, both in the enlisted ranks and the mm-hmm, officers' mm-hmm. corps. And um, there are great problems um, downrange, which is what they say in the military when somebody's deployed mm-hmm. to a combat zone. So downrange, there are a lot of problems with— So like downrange meaning down through the family or, or outside the, the military circles? No, downrange just refers to being deployed. Oh, gotcha. So okay, sorry. I should, I should really say okay. when soldiers are deployed, there's there's problems with fraternization between the mm-hmm. sexes. That, right. That would be the official right. term for it. Okay. And I can't help but think that that's got to be perpetuated by pornography abuse. Sure, definitely. I mean, because when you've got it on on the brain all the time and you're isolated from your family, which, I mean, let's face it, military life, especially during war times, is an incredibly unnatural existence, okay? So you're already under all this huge life stress, and then, you know, you go to this stuff for comfort. You know, I'm really really curious. Let's get back to this kind of tender age thing because you're talking about, I mean, most guys who have gotten involved with pornography – have had some kind of family or community influence. They either found it because somebody, Jimmy down the street, showed them a magazine when they were 10 years old, or like with me, my dad showed it to me. Mm. So if these uh, guys in the military and, and porn is rampant in their lives, what, what's the effect that you've seen on, on their kids? Uh, that's, a, that's a great and excellent question. Mm. Um, if you would, imagine um, the, the home life of a 17-year-old boy mm-hmm. whose dad is in the Army, who goes away for a year. Maybe this boy has um, some younger siblings, Mm -hmm. and his dad is gone. Mom is trying to keep the household together. And while dad is downrange, dad, out of, uh, for whatever reason, out of need for control, out of need to uh, manage his own fear, out of need to to feel a false sense of of security, dad is abusing pornography. Dad comes back, and there's an immediate schism between dad and mom, beyond the post-combat stress, beyond... Um, whatever uh, you know, results might happen from a year of deployment in a combat zone, right. dad has got this this addiction that he's developed. Mm-hmm. And uh, the word says clearly that um, that these sins will be passed on right. um, generationally. Right. Um, so I, I have to think that there's a certain amount of stress, that there's a certain amount of tension in mm-hmm. the household. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen is kids who follow in their dad's footsteps. Right. That is, they use porn as a coping mechanism, yeah. a coping mechanism against rejection, against loneliness. What wow. is that schism between the dad and the mom about that you mentioned when he comes home? Well, yeah, typically, I think when um, when a man and I, I I'm a man, so I'll speak from his perspective. Mm-hmm. But when a man has been abusing pornography, then they've built up the fantasy mm-hmm. in their mind. Mm-hmm. So uh, a man's been in in Iraq, let's say, living with fifty other men in a big hallway, and has been looking to pornography to. To, to fulfill his needs, to fulfill mm-hmm. his emotional needs. And he's built up a fantasy life with women who are airbrushed and perfect looking, who mm-hmm. never say no, mm-hmm. who are never have a headache, who are never tired. The moment's always right when he feels it's right. Right. And now 
he comes back home to reality. Mm-hmm. And frankly, reality can't compare to the fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's just not as good. No, it never is. And that's why God wants us to be tuned in to his reality, which he created it. Absolutely. It's perfect the way it is, but we reject it. You know, instead of uh, really uh, focusing on the creator, we focus on created things, and then we pervert those created things with our own uh, warped fantasy. Now, if you're just tuning in, we're visiting here with uh, Paul, former army guy and uh, Josh Butrin from the Military Community Youth Ministries, talking about porn in the military. And if you want to find out more about uh, Military Community Youth Ministries, you can see them on the the web at m as in military c y m dot o r g. And uh, so we're we're pretty excited about this topic because obviously here in Colorado Springs, we're in you know they, they, we got something like seven bases if you count the Air Force Academy of different types of military outlets, but also for our country. I mean, we're at war right now and we've got folks left and right whose uh, families are being uh, touched by this issue. I want to kind of talk a little bit, Paul, maybe you can help us out with this. Um, While in your time in the military, did you see any good examples in this area? Did you see any men sort of standing up to the pornography or not engaging themselves in it that you could kind of uh, give us as a model? I tell you, my I keep looking back to this, and I wish I could find this man mm. and talk to him. Mm. But my uh, my gunner, I was in a tank, mm-hmm. and my gunner was a Christian, and he would not partake in any of the talk mm. or the viewing or anything else. Wow! And you know, I wish I could go back. So they the men are there. Mm-hmm. Right. Unfortunately, on you know, my case, I was not seeking that crowd. Yeah. I was seeking another crowd, which is all too easy to find. Right. Um, so, I mean, and then to hear about Josh's organization, I mean, the organizations are there. So there are Christian men there. Right. And all it takes is looking for them. So what does it be bold? All right. So what does it take once a guy's looking and once he's bold enough to, to, to make that search, what does it take? Because you just said you wish you could go back. Look, look I'm just here to say, Paul, you are back, my friend, because <laughs> I know the road that you've walked out of this addiction and I, and I know your life and it's a life of integrity. Okay. So you're back. Jack. And so welcome back. All right. Now, <laughs> let me just tell you this. Uh, I want to hear from you about sp- speak to the soldiers out there right now, the guys in the military, maybe the ones on the front lines or wherever. What does it take for them to get away from this stuff? What does it take to be like your gunner, to live that life of integrity in the midst of all this junk? The first thing I can tell you, know, I want to say is thank you for what you're doing and mm-hmm. that the real comfort you can find in the one person who can give you what you're looking for is Jesus Christ. Amen. And this, you know, this counterfeit, this junk that uh, people are afraid to, to put aside is just a counterfeit. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing else to it. And the real comfort you're seeking in that void you're wanting to fill can be filled with Christ. And it takes, and you're all, everyone who's out there is brave, but it takes, you know, a brave man or a brave soldier male or female, to stand up and say, I'm not going to take part in that stuff. Right. And uh, I tell you what, once you do that, you'll be amazed at who, who else speaks up. Yeah. Because it's like that in pretty much any organization, but in something as close-knit as the military. Yeah. You know, once you just do that, you know, one good man, one good soldier takes a step, others will, others will raise their hand. Right. Because the culture is normal, normalcy is pornography and you know, crude humor and mm. everything else. That's what's normal. Mm-hmm. Guys do it. That's what guys do. Right. And uh, that's that's false. Mm. So all it takes is one person really to stand up. Um, 
Sure. Paul, Paul's absolutely right here. The military is all about conformity. Uh-huh. Everybody's got the same haircut, the mm-hmm. same uh, socks, the same boots, and they go eat at the same place and do the same right. thing every single day. Mm-hmm. And when you're that one person who's going against the current, mm-hmm. whatever that current might be, it's immensely difficult. Mm-hmm. So it, courage is, is the number one thing. That is a, a man or woman who's facing this kind of temptation, especially in the military environment, has got right. to have an exceptional amount of courage. And I would add to that that they can't do it alone. Right. You've got to seek out a team, a band of brothers ah. who are going to stand with you and provide you accountability yeah. and support and encourage you uh, and, and whom you can also encourage. Right. Absolutely. So I would imagine that puts that means the chaplain on the field is a very critical person because he's the one these people are going to be going to for help, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can't say enough about the need for more military chaplains and the importance of that office. Military right. chaplains are stretched thin. Um, if, you know, a battalion is a, is a large body of men, sometimes, um, you know, 800 men, and there's one chaplain for that battalion. Mm-hmm. Um, so think about pastoring 800 men with a, with a lot of specialized needs. Um, it's a critical position. So pray for our chaplains. Yeah. Well, it came out recently that New Life Ministries, who I knew you're quite acquainted with, Jason, mm-hmm. they sent out some eleven to 13,000 uh, kits on how to deal with porn in the field, mm-hmm. and uh, they need to send out more. But they mm-hmm. ran out of they ran out of funds. Basically, people are donating them the money to send these kits out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, those are effective tools. So not only pray, like Josh is saying, but also pay. You know, pay <laughs> your money to these ministries that are doing the work that, that neither you or I can do because we're over here, and they're over there. All right. So, but Josh, I want to just kind of throw you the same question that we gave to Paul. And that is, you're dealing with youth, and you're dealing with uh, people um, who are, you know, in in those military families. What do you say to them in terms of being the, the stand up? When not only is it hard to be that in in the military, as you just just so adequately described, but plus they're teenagers; they've got peer pressure on top of them. Yeah, and they're teenagers many times uh, living in a in a highly um, selective, you know, area. Right. Uh, I just came from, from Germany mm-hmm. and here's this little army base in the middle of Germany with right. 250 high school students on it, surrounded right. by Germans. Right. And, uh, you know, they face a lot of special pressure with yeah. parents in harm's way. Um, and the question, how do you, what do you say to people? I think the first thing is to break the ice mm-hmm. and to address the situation. Mm-hmm. The, the, the issue of sexual purity has been so taboo and I'm encouraged to see more and more people stepping forward, willing to address the subject, right. and oftentimes to address it vulnerably. Mm-hmm. Um, I did an informal poll uh, amongst the high school, and I had 200 responses. And out of 200 on the question, have you ever viewed pornography? In every circumstance, the case was yes. Mm-hmm. I don't That's doubt it. Freshmen through uh, mm-hmm. freshmen through seniors. Right. So every single high school's a, a, uh, every single high school student is is um, is exposed to pornography. Right. So the first thing you've got to do is address the question. Yeah. So start the leaders out there need to be talking about these, these things. And mm-hmm. one thing I'm kind of struck with here is that uh, we are talking sort of at a level where we're all sort of assuming that, you know, a pornography is wrong or it's bad or it's harmful. But let's talk, let's take a step back for just a second. Let's talk about why, why is it harmful? Uh, Paul, why in your life did you come to realize that, that pornography was, was harmful as a, you know, a military officer who could do whatever he wanted, you know, w- what would make you reconsider? Oh, uh, Jason, I said, like I was saying, that pornography is a lifestyle. Uh-huh. And in my own case, uh, with my, my family, 
you know, sex was something that was never, it was a taboo. Mm-hmm. So I had all these questions in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, starting at the age of 12 with the whole pornography thing and all that. So I have all this junk in my mind mm-hmm. that I couldn't talk to anybody about. Mm-hmm. Even back then in my church, you know, that was something you just don't talk about. So now I, I get out and now I'm in the army. I can do whatever I want. I can get whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And it just exploded. So that pornography was just one part of what developed what I chose to make into mm-hmm. sexual addiction. So you were trying to sort of meet these needs of information, of feeling a sense of mastery over life through the pornography. Yeah, um, and then I'm with a bunch of other people who are uh-huh. senior to me, so I'm following them, and you know, just kind of seek the lowest level. Now, what do you say to the guy who just says, well, you know, you had a problem, and that's fine, but, you know, for me, uh, I'm just, you know, we did a show last week on Pride, what if? What about the guy who's who's a bit prideful and says, "Well, you know, Paul, uh, maybe I don't have a problem like you had a problem." Mm. Mm. First off, I'd say, "Well, you're you're believing a lie right there." Mm-hmm. And uh, what good can come of it? If you look at the whole pornography industry, you've had guests on from that industry. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing good mm-hmm. that comes out of it. It's all about uh, slavery, as far as I'm concerned. And well, yeah, and it's so. What is glorifying of it, and what in your life are you trying to replace with that? Right. So there's an issue there deeper beyond, well, hey, I can control it. You know, I used yeah. to say that about lots of things, you know, alcohol, yeah. pornography, everything. Yeah. And no, you can't. And the person who's usually saying, hey, I don't have a problem with this has got one. Right. And here's the problem. Essentially, you're placating yourself. Right. Because you're trying to get something that simply pornography cannot satisfy. Right. You know, and the thing is, is you know, it's a selfish thing as well. When we look at pornography... We're treating those people in the pictures as objects, not as people. Imagine yourself in a restaurant. I love this analogy. You're in a restaurant. You're sitting there with your wife or your girlfriend across the table from you. And out of the corner of your eye, you see some guy from across the restaurant leering at this loved one of yours. How do you feel towards that man? And then now take your wife or your girlfriend out of that uh, seat and put your daughter in that seat. Now how do you feel towards the guy? And guess what? The way that we feel towards that guy is the same way that God feels to, uh, towards us when we are objectifying and lusting after one of his children or loved ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're really putting ourselves in a very dangerous position when we involve ourselves in pornography. Absolutely. So we've got a couple minutes here, Mike. You look like you're just itching to get some kind of comment <laughs> out there. I uh, had a wife of a guy who's in the military call me uh, last week. Uh, her husband came home from Iraq for a three-month furlough. She, and uh, after he'd been home for a while, she found 60 megabytes of porn on his computer. And she was so furious that she told me she got a revolver and, and was ready to blow the guy's head off. Wow. Well, uh, he went back to Iraq, and she's a Christian, by the way. He wasn't. And she told me he got their chaplain led him to Christ. And what would you guys say to the wife who's at home, who's at home, who you know whose husband is struggling with this stuff? And she, she she told me she was in depression because she had nobody else to talk to about it. What would you say to these ladies? Yeah, I, I think the first thing um, beyond the the easy answer of pray and and cast your burdens on the shoulders of the one who can mm-hmm. truly carry them, Amen. Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. is to seek out help. And a lot of times, a victim of porn, pornography abuse has got to really have the courage to also take those steps. And there's right. a lot of fear that has to be overcome. Will my husband's reputation be damaged? Right. But seek out somebody. And there are plenty of organizations where there's confidentiality. Right. Uh, within the military, there's the Military Family Life uh, Center, the Chaplain's Family Life Center, mm-hmm. where they can go and speak to somebody in confidentiality. 
Uh, one wonderful thing that the Army's doing is is putting counselors on military bases, military family life consultants who are outside of the chain of command, outside of the military, seek out um, unit ministry teams, other organizations. I've had mm-hmm. mothers come mm-hmm. to me and say, I found all this garbage in my son's bedroom. Right. What do I do? And engage, you know, engage a relationship there where right. where we can begin to take steps to help. Right. Amen. Well, listen, we just have about a minute left. Uh, Paul, Josh, thank you so much for not only being on the show with us today, but just for the work that you're doing and uh, for your stories and for your willingness to really bear witness here today. So God bless you both. Thank you, Jason. Can I say one good thing that came out of the military? Yeah. I met my wife there. Amen. Who stuck with me Amen. through unbelievable things. Yes, for sure. used to do so. so. And let's give her all a hoo-wah. hoo <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, listen. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, it, talking about help, if you need help, just listen to the end of the show, and we'll give you some more information on how you can get some counseling or get into groups. We have teleconference groups. doesn't matter where you are. If you're overseas, we've had people from Germany, Bahrain, Russia. Uh, give us a call. Uh, thanks for tuning in. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. You can send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 625. Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the Internet at www.blazinggrace.org. That's www.blazinggrace.org forward slash radio HTM. On that page, you'll find a downloadable copy of this show, or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries. Look for Blazing Grace Radio. If you want help resolving a sexual addiction, you can reach Jason Graves toll free by dialing 877-590-SOUL. That's 877-590-7685. In addition to Jason Graves counseling, Mike Chenung has a book out. Mike Chenung's book, The Road to Grace, Finding True Freedom from the bondage of sexual addiction is available at www.roadtograce.com. The book guides those who struggle with sexual addiction to a place of finding the abundant life of Christ. There are also sections for wives and recovery for marriage. Desire for a specific subject to be covered on Blazing Grace? Tell Mike Janung what you want covered. You can email Mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening, and may God shine His grace upon you.